Hello and welcome to Simply Walk the Talk. Making sense of the health and fitness world, one conversation at a time. My name is Josh Holland. And I'm Grace Nuttall. Hey, 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 what's up, Josh? Well, hello, Grace. Welcome back and welcome back, all you listeners. How's it going, Grace? Uh, I am so good, thanks. I've had a pretty <laughs> relaxing weekend. I spent time with my family. Yeah, it's been chill. It's been chill. I've been working out a lot this week, um, trying out some new things. I think I shared a picture of me and my sister trying out a bar class, which was uh, pretty intense, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> other than like dropping the ball every 30 seconds. (laughs) But yeah, it's nice to take a break this weekend after a hard week. But what about you? What have you been up to? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's about the same. Chilling and hanging out while also being as active as I've ever been, I think. Um, You know, I'm here in Hawaii uh, on the island of Oahu, which is where Honolulu and Waikiki is. Um, and I'm in an area called Lana Kai or Kailua, and <clears throat> it's just incredible. I mean, it's just a wonderful experience. Uh, I'm being as active, like literally every day, sometimes twice a day, hiking and swimming in the ocean and just all sorts of fun stuff. It's been incredible. So um, for those that are listening, no, I am not on vacation, although it may look that way. I am here for work. I'm working with my buddy Oscar, and he's shooting a new film here, a new Netflix film, and uh, I'm here working with him while also working out myself, so having a blast. It's the dream, basically. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, in so many words, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. Um, Well, moving into this week's topic, um, basically, um, I know I sent this article to you, but... uh, Essentially, there's been some research done in the UK about obesity and linking it to cancer, obviously. Um, And basically, this article and this research has said that um, millennials are set to be the fattest generation of Brits ever, um, which is an interesting one. I know people like bashing millennials and it's quite a big like news hook, like, oh, millennials, millennials are ruining avocados or the housing market (laughs) or, you know, like this and that. But um, the data is quite shocking in many ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought this would be a good topic to kind of talk about and compare to the US um, because obviously it's not a problem just in the UK, but it's a worldwide problem. Um, so yeah, and I think it's something that you probably have experience with with training people as well. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it's interesting that you say uh, millennials are ruining the avocados and that's very funny because... <laughs> Avocados have become the most expensive, like, fruit slash vegetable out there. Um, I mean, so, yeah, that is kind of a thing. But why is it that we're also finding, like, this research that that you're talking about? I mean, it's it's been an issue in the U.S., and now that it's being highlighted in the U.K., it's kind of like, hello, you know, now that we're seeing the research in the U.K., only further confirms that it's even worse in the U.S., right? So Mm. the U.S. is kind of uh, at the forefront for this epidemic or pandemic, if you will. And um, and it's just really sad. But it's kind of what has kept me in the line of work that I do, unfortunately or fortunately. Right. Um, And so what we've been discussing 
even with you and I, Grace, before we started recording, we we discussed that there's this issue here, especially in the U.S., that I think is, is revolved around stress. Stress becomes this thing that is is feeding the cortisol and the inflammation in our bodies and in our brains and it sort of mucks up our our innate ability to choose the right foods and to want to work out because let's let's face it if you're stressed out that means you're probably tired and you're weak and you have less willpower and so you know who wants to go and work out after that or who wants to Mm -hmm. choose good foods after dealing with that all day long right so i think this becomes a discussion on what do we do about it but yeah yeah. Um, what, what do you what you find interesting or most exciting about the uh, the article? Um, well, I mean, I'll go into the t- statistics, but one of the things that I found shocking about just the rising obesity levels in Europe in general is that actually they're overtaking the United States in many ways. Like the UK and Ireland are some of the fattest countries in Europe. Um, wow. And what I find interesting, I guess, about this study um, by Cancer Research UK is that it talks about the demographics involved. It's not, it's the specific age group, which I find really interesting. Mm. Um, so basically their research has said that 70% of middle-aged millennials are dangerously overweight before, well, 70% of millennials are dangerously overweight before reaching middle age. So millennials being anyone who's born in the 1980s to the mid 1990s. Right. So anyone in their mid twenties to the late thirties approaching 40. Mm-hmm. And 70% is, Wow. An astronomical percentage. It really is. You know, when I hear statistics like that, I I think, you know, I, I try not to separate people into, okay, well, this group of people are dealing with this because of that, and these group of people are dealing with this because of that. I think, like, okay, what what is everyone else saying? Like, when we talk about these articles... Some of the responses I get from my clients and other people, some of the first things they they say is, oh, well, yeah, it's because it makes sense. The, the millennials are, are playing more video games and, you know, they're not working out as much. And I'm like, well, that's actually not true because millennials are the reason why UFC, mixed martial arts, um, CrossFit, they're the reason why those those kind of uh, trends in fitness and health have actually become more prominent. So if we take that away, then what is it, mm. right? If if millennials are the ones that are eating more healthy fats and eating avocados and things like that, well, then what is it, right? There's There's got to be something, you know? Yeah, and I think, I mean, and some of the articles that I read on this topic kind of did raise that point about how, you know, there are all these health trends and yet people are still eating a lot of junk food and they need more fruit and vegetables and fiber in their diets. And I think, you know, the fact that it is separating it with, you know, 25, between 25 and 40 as that age group, I think maybe it's the slightly younger generation who are buying more into these health trends. And you do see statistics about people who are unplugging from social media, Mm -hmm. who are not drinking anymore, who are maybe leaning towards having more, like more like veganism or vegetarianism, being more conscious about the environment. So I think you know, that is increasing with the under 25s mm-hmm. and probably a good proportion of the slightly over 25s. But yeah, it's it's a really interesting and scary fact, particularly because the statistics also showed that in comparison with the older generation, so the post-war generation, the baby boomers, only half of them would be too fat by the ages of 35 to 44. 
mm-hmm. which is still quite a big proportion, but it's just it's a shifted age group. Well, here's something that may kind of turn on the light bulb for some people. And being that I, you know, full disclosure, I have not read that entire article. I did read some snippets from it. And I'm glad that you did because we can actually have a conversation about it. But one of the first things that comes to mind when you start to talk about the age groups is the propensity for alcohol and more stress from school, like as in university, college, things like that, um, around that time period, right? Relationships, right? So like, you know, we can, the first one, let's say like in the US especially, maybe not as much so in in the UK and Ireland and, and Europe because maybe they start drinking a little bit earlier, but at around 20, 21, 22, that age range is when we start to see a bit more consumption of alcohol. And then if we combat that with, or combine that with going to school, now we've got this stress from school together with um, with alcoholism. And then maybe this is a point in time when people are starting to deal with their first heartbreaks and things like that, right? So we can go to this level of like, well, what is the emotional toll? What is the emotional toll on the the obesity epidemic and things like that? Mm-hmm. I think it's a huge part of it. I really do. And maybe this is the first time that we're seeing this community leave their parents' homes. So, you know, maybe not realizing that they have the power to learn how to cook themselves. So maybe they're eating more fast food at this point in their life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you get to that mid-35, I think this is when people start to realize, you know what? I actually need to start taking care of myself. So maybe that's why there's a difference in the whole, like, it not being so bad after 35, you know, and 40 and things like that. Potentially. Yeah. I, th- Potentially. I think in these cases, when it talks about, like, post-war, the, the post-war generation, mm-hmm. I think that obviously they are a generation who kind of skipped out a lot of the changes that millennials and generation x or z or however you refer to, like, the younger generation have faced. You know, they haven't mm-hmm. had social media c- coming up. They haven't had necessarily like the explosion of fast food to the same extent. Hmm. Um, so I think they just naturally kind of skipped that. Whereas the millennials kind of face that head on, you know, hmm. from the 80s and the 90s um, and now, you know, in the 2000s and everything. It, it's never been so easy to be unhealthy or healthy. It can True. kind of swing both ways. And I think it's yeah. it's a kind of epidemic of extremes. Like you have, you know, yes, you have larger numbers of obesity and statistics related to um, obesity but then you also have larger numbers relating to eating disorders like bulimia and anorexia so it's interesting i think different generations face different problems Mm -hmm. Um, and i think the fact that you bring up stress is a really really interesting one and i think that one of the reasons it is probably hitting 25 and overs in the uk anyway um is that stress of like once you finish college once you once you graduate and you enter into the workplace mm-hmm. if you have those unhealthy habits from university and everything you're going to bring them into your workplace because you're suddenly working for the full time for the first time you've got less time to work out you're going to be drinking more because you're going to be socializing sometimes with work for that and then it's also you know another kind of crutch for stress and everything yeah yeah i agree i mean i think this is very it's a very good conversation to have, and it's it's a conversation that needs to be had um, in in an inclusive environment, though, right? So, because I think 
the problem that I see when it comes to talking about health and wellness is people trying to figure out, well, what is the one best way as opposed to what are the best ways with plural, like the plural mm. meaning of like, what are the ways to help this, right? And so something that comes up all the time with with any discussion in health and wellness is the, the whole veganism versus vegetarianism versus paleo versus keto which is the best and whatever and i can i have to take it back to the whole gut microbiome research right because the more conversations i'm having with my clients regardless of what their moralistic values are when it comes to eating and choosing the foods that they eat is the conversations about what's going on in the in the gut microbiome and i've i've literally seen night and day switches changing within myself but also within my clients on those that are taking the conversation there right like i just recently discovered i won't say any names but you know a client that's that's back in new york right now while i'm here discovered you know upon taking his uh metabolic intelligence test that he may be pre pre-diabetic I mean, and this this is something that I mean, he has access to the best doctors and the best nutritionists and the whatever like trainers and all these things. But just doing a simple blood prick test with the the Viome kit, he's like, "Whoa, I never realized that." And who am I to say, "Hey, you should de-stress. You should try yoga. You should try this. You should eat these foods." Well, maybe those foods don't work for him because he's pre-diabetic mm. right now. So any amount of starches may really skyrocket his insulin so anyway it's it's part of the conversation for sure yeah and i think that raises an interesting point because despite being an age where we're bombarded with information and there's like you know this information overload and it kind of paralyzes people there's also a lot that despite having that we don't know necessarily we don't automatically have access to mm -hmm. so yeah i think it it is very overwhelming and it does paralyze people and sometimes if you don't know what kind of healthy choices to make you just naturally make unhealthy ones um and it's yeah it's scary because i think also there's just then equally a bit of a lack of education sometimes when it comes to like the health risks mm -hmm. of things like carrying excess weight like having excess weight is linked to 13 types of cancer um including like breast cancer kidney cancer and bowel cancer mm -hmm. and it's like the second biggest cause of cancer other than smoking which i think a lot of people aren't aware of um so yeah i think it's it's funny yeah that dichotomy between having so much information but not enough education at the yep. same time and and to add on to that that's because that's well said well put out but i think adding on top of that is also the the losing touch or losing the connection to our innate ability to listen to our bodies because of the too much of information and 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 it, for the first time it just dawned on me that when you said too much information i, I actually thought you said too much inflammation and then i quickly <laughs> i quickly decided like wait a minute that actually could be one and the same right too much information can cause too much inflammation <laughs> which is kind of interesting, um, yeah. you know, and because like you said, it's like the more we think about it, it's like, ah, we get stressed out, then we don't know, but but my good friend, he was doing this diet and he did very well, and, and my good friend, she also, she did this diet and it worked well for her, but like, what about our own innate ability to learn? For instance, mm. I'm, I'm here in Hawaii and I've been here 
three times now. This is my third time being in Hawaii. And I'm here for work, as I've explained at the beginning. But for the first time ever, I'm just kind of like, I'm not worrying as much about my food timing and this and that. Yes, I still do my coffee in the morning and some of my same routines. But I'm being active because I have the time to be active. But I've been working a lot. Like I'm here working a lot, still doing my readings, still doing my um, my videos and photos for my clients. But it just feels feels great to be able to wake up in nature. I haven't put on my alarm one single time. Kind of like what it is uh, when I'm on the road on tour. And I think as much as we can, we should try to remember that. We should try to remember that like when living in New York, why can't I wake up um you know, as early without an alarm, well, it's because I don't go to bed as early either. I have all these lights and, uh, you know, the buzz of the city is constantly in my ear and there is a low level inflammation buzz that's happening. And when I'm here, it's just like, well, there is no honking of the horns. There is no people yelling at each other. There is no subway running back and forth. There is no need for me to be like, oh, but I got to train this client. I got to train that client. I got to do this job, you know? So... As much as we can, I think we should try to live in a way that suits us. You know, if you're in a place that you, you know, I've been in New York for 13 years. I always am faced with this question of, is this where I want to continue to live my life? Maybe not. You know, I mean, Hawaii is looking quite nice right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think obviously it's not possible for everyone to be like, I'm just going to change my environment completely. I'm going to move away from New York or London or wherever. But I think it's, yeah, I think it's being mindful and aware of that and being like, okay, these are my limitations, but how can I address them as effectively as possible? You know, is that doing more yoga or more meditation or, you know, how can I listen to my body better and become better reacquainted with it and, you know, trying to tune out all the background noise and just focus on me? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really, really valuable lesson. And I guess kind of moving on from that, um, just onto some kind of more statistics, which I think are interesting and worth talking about, is the fact that the majority of UK adults are overweight or obese, mm. which to me is is really an eye opener. Like the fact that most people in my country are <laughs> overweight is, you know, like you kind of when you when people talk about the obesity epidemic, you're kind of like, oh, you know, it's not that bad. You kind of yeah, you kind of separate it in your mind, or you you don't think it's really um happening as much but um yeah it would just be interesting to compare it to your experience with clients in new york uh, and america in general because from what i can see the data says that in the u.s about 38 percent of adults over 20 have excess weight or obese so obviously not quite the same number of not not the quite the same numbers but um still a very sizable problem what do you, what's your experience with your clients and yeah, what do you make of this in general? Um, well, I would say welcome to my world. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's quite interesting and sad that you say, you know, like, you know, 70% or how, you know, this big of a percentage of my country um, is, is now obese, but this is what I've been dealing with for many years. Um, and, and to be a leader in the health and wellness movement it is quite saddening, but that's why I try to do what I can by having a podcast, by 
um, enjoying and having a passion for what I do as, as a teacher and as a leader in the field. Um, <clears throat> and so it's just, I, I want to try to continue putting the word out to get people to become aware. It's mm-hmm. almost like the, the book, um, Awareness Through, Move, Through Movement by Feldenkrais. Um, not only being aware of the physical, but also the mental and, and, you know, the spiritual and everything, just becoming more aware that like, listen, we individually and as a community have the power to change whatever, whatever it is we want to change. In fact, I just read the book, um, The Alchemist, which is a great book. And it's one of those books that like, I'm surprised I haven't read it. And many people around me have mentioned, dude, we're surprised you haven't read that book already. Mm. But it kind of talks about finding your way. Like we have the power, the what they call the personal legend in that book talks about, you know, we have it within us. We just have to bring it about. So if I can change me and I can help then, you know, explain my experiences to help change others, then that can continue to pass on and pass on and pass on. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it, it doesn't feel good to hear, but I think we, we can change. Yeah. And then I guess, and I'm going into this kind of aspect of the conversation with a bit of caution because I don't want to come across as being ignorant or anything, but obviously there is a big movement towards body acceptance and health at any size. And Mm -hmm. I put that in quotation marks and everything. And I think there's a big backlash against people who are saying like, oh, you're fat shaming me. Like you're fat shaming us. Big is beautiful, everything. And I think that that is accurate. I'm not saying that if you're obese or if you're overweight, that you're not beautiful or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts on that kind of aspect of the wellness world and you know obviously with obesity being linked to like increased heart disease and type 2 diabetes and all these other types of cancers how do you balance that body acceptance with the health health risks that is a very good one um uh, yes it's it's a it's a sensitive subject um rightly so but i think the more that is discussed, the more information, um, because we all deal with some level of shame. Otherwise, we wouldn't be wearing clothes, right? <laughs> I mean, let's face it, like, right, there's some level of shame. Um, and I find it to be interesting in parts of Europe, uh, especially I'm here in Hawaii, so like places where it's typically nice and warm. You can almost see right away those who are comfortable with their bodies versus those who aren't based on the clothing that they choose, right? So those who are, it doesn't necessarily mean those who wear nothing or next to nothing are the most comfortable with how they look, but maybe they are just kind of, they come to the point where they decided uh, this is, this is as good as it's going to get, take it or leave it. But what about those who've lost a hundred pounds and have now become accept it but maybe in other people's eyes they still are 100 pounds overweight right this is where the conversation becomes very interesting because we're all on our own journey and um you know it's like for me i try my best to not let the image of my body be everything about me right because there's more to my teaching and my learning than just the aesthetics of a person's body where are you mentally? Where are you physically? Where are you uh, spiritually? And this is what I think is should be the kind of the totality of the experience. 
each person should go through, right? Because it doesn't matter. Like when I look at someone um, who's on the, the beach and maybe they're going for a run, I'm mostly looking at their form, less about, oh my gosh, this person's too skinny or oh my gosh, this person's too fat. I almost don't look at that. I look at like their form, you know, because maybe this is a way that I could help this person to run better or mm. or whatever, you know? And I find that to be more of an interesting moment of uh, of clarity, I think. And I don't even know if this makes sense to you uh, or those that are listening, but um, I think it should be less about shaming those who don't look like we think they should look. And it's easy for somebody to sit behind a computer or behind a phone and say, oh, that person's out of shape. But what is out of shape, right? It, it, shape is a shape, <laughs> whether it's long, whether it's rectangular, whether it's circular. Shape is shape. So how are we out of shape? I think the only way we're out of shape is if we are a blob. And even that is a shape, right? <laughs> so unless we're a gas, then we should not be out of shape. Now, can we change our shape or our level of fitness, which, you know, this is something that I, I will be discussing at length in the future. But the fact that I'm opening a gym in New York City very soon, aha, right? It's, this is kind of news to everyone, I think. But opening my gym is a way for me to change what the idea of a gym should be. And so just as kind of a sneak peek into those who, who listen to our podcast, but I want to get away from the idea of going to a gym, having it only be fit people working out and lifting weights and it being this very like one dimension tunnel vision idea of what a gym should be because we're going to have everything from meditation to dance to fitness to nutrition. It's all going to be there. Um, and so this is something that I want to kind of present as a gift to those who are willing to accept it. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that should be shoved into the face of those who want to shame people for their shape or, you know, or just shame people in general. Absolutely. And I think that's fantastic. And I think that you bringing up like the holistic approach is a very, is a very good one. And I think that is the way forward for, for people in general in society. Like we shouldn't just be obsessing over how much we weigh or, you know, what size bikini we can fit our bodies into right um because that isn't healthy right like it may be healthy i guess in a more traditional like blinkered view of wellness but it's not it's not accurately healthy yeah so i think yeah i think it's a balancing act and i think approaching it from like you know am i putting good food into my body am i feeding myself am i giving myself am i giving my body the nutrients that i really need to sustain me and to make my body like the well-oiled machine that it should be am I giving myself positive energy you know and then equally taking into account that not everyone necessarily has access to nutritionally rich foods you know people might only be able to afford going to McDonald's or might only have time to feed their kids a happy meal before mm -hmm. going to their second job or something so I think it's a it's a very complex issue but I think when it does impact people's health in terms of like you know making people more at risk of heart disease, type 2, diabetes, cancer and everything, then yeah, I, then I think that the body acceptance movement might be a little bit at fault in some ways because... Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 If, you're, if, you, if you're so overweight that you can't enjoy your life to the full, then are you, are you actually happy or are you kind of convincing yourself that you're happy? 
That's I don't powerful. know. It's that's it's very powerful. complex. <laughs> wow. I mean, talk about getting deep. Well done, Grace, because that is so true. And that's and that's what's tough, right? Because, I mean, in this day and age, like you discussed earlier about this sort of, we're at the forefront of having social media and everything at our disposal so quickly, right? Like information is, is, is going around the world. The shot around the world is happening in, in milliseconds, right? And this is why things go viral and whatnot. But why don't we use that to help those, right? And, you know, the conversation, of course, maybe the conversation with the person who's so overweight that he or she is entering into pre-diabetes or have diabetes or cancer or whatever, that discussion needs to happen. But it should be happening maybe in closed doors because not everyone's ready to have that, you know, for the world to see, right? Mm. Maybe... Um, so with that being said, maybe we just need to have people be more open to having discussions with therapists, right? Because I think that is an, a, another thing as well. People are like, oh, I don't want to talk to a quack. I don't want to talk to a therapist. I don't need to talk to a therapist. I don't need to talk to a nutritionist. Well, it, why don't you just talk to a friend then, right? Let's just call him a friend. Let's just call him a helper. Let's call him a healer. Let's call him a, a trainer. And that's why my role has changed from being just a fitness trainer to becoming a holistic coach, if you will, or a holistic trainer or a friend. You know, like it's it's becoming harder and harder for me to call my clients clients these days. Why? Because they've become friends. Like my buddy Oscar, like he's literally like a brother to me. Um, and, you know, and I love him like I love my own brother. And that has become the way to be able to have these discussions, these very sensitive discussions. And then there's this openness that happens amongst, uh, I don't know, conversations that would never be had with a person that's called a client. Right. Mm. So I don't know. I, don't, I, I think that's very deep. <laughs> yeah. And I think just kind of wrapping that up, I think it's that openness kind of comes from both sides. You know, yes. it's not just people who are clients or people who are trainers. I think it's, you know, for example, like the two of us, obviously, like we are very privileged in many ways. Like we are both pretty in shape and we have we're financially stable enough to be able to have access to things like these really healthy foods or gym memberships and technology and everything. So I think people in that in this situation just need to have that kind of openness and willing to understand um, for both sides. And I think, you know, it's very easy for people to kind of be dismissive and look at someone who is overweight and be like, oh, they're fat, like they're, I'm going to put all these assumptions on them and assume that they just eat too much or, you know, they're lazy or something. And often the situation is much more complex than that. So I think having an openness from both sides is going to be really important. Um, and I think just for society in general, like I think governments should be doing more to support like people in society. You know, people shouldn't have to work two jobs and still not be able to afford healthy food that would benefit them better. Agreed. So, yeah, Agreed. that's my like extreme leftism coming in, I guess. But yeah, I think there can be a lot more to be done but i think it's a very nuanced subject that we're not gonna cover fully in half an hour <laughs> <laughs> no but i think i think we're we're doing the right thing i mean for me it feels good i i don't um i don't worry so much about people you know uh bashing us for saying what we're saying because we're talking from the heart we're, we're talking from a place of of respect um and a place of care and love so mm. 
There we Absolutely. Go. There's there's no judgment when we're talking about this subject, and I hope like I really hope that comes through. Right. Um, and if not, listeners, then do let us know. If you disagree with anything that we're saying, then please like raise your hand and correct us or give your perspective and your opinion. Right. And especially if you're someone that, yeah, just in general, yes, let us know. Because we, we love feedback. We are getting some good quality feedback, but let's get more. Why not? Yeah. So I guess that brings us to the end of this topic. I think that we've kind of exhausted it for the moment. Yes. Um, happy to continue on social media and wherever listeners think is appropriate. But yeah, um, is there anything else you kind of wanted to add to all of this? No, I think that's it. Um, be open, everyone. Go and ask questions and talk with people that you trust and care for and those that care for you. And um Remember to practice gratitude because although we don't talk about it as much except for on our podcast episodes, I still do the uh, the five-minute journal. is still a part of what I'm doing along with the book, the one book a week. And, um, and it's really helped me to kind of understand what else is out there. Like, let's not live in a bubble any longer. Let's, if we do live in a bubble, let's increase the size of that bubble. Okay? So... That's my two cents. <laughs> well said. I guess uh, on the topic of gratitude, let's head into our gratitude section then. All right. Well, I'll start this one off. I am very grateful yet again to be in a point in my career that allows me to be able to, to travel, to travel to some of the most beautiful places in the world, to experience work with people that I really look up to and that I that I trust in and that I really care for um, in those same people that trust me and uh, support me in everything that I do. So I'm just grateful to be able to work in this field and for the places that it's allowed me to go. Very well put. Um, okay, I guess, uh, oh, I had it in my head a second ago. Um, <laughs> I, um, I'm grateful for um, the fact that I am open to trying new things. Um, recently, I've been really trying to practice yoga um, and I've been loving it. I've really, really enjoyed giving myself all this time during the week to practice yoga and to try out different classes. And I'm feeling a lot better in my body and my mind as a result. So, yeah, I'm glad that I've got that openness and that willingness to persevere because sometimes it can be really difficult in yoga class when everyone's doing amazing headstands and handstands <laughs> and I true eye and do a crow pose and I fall on my face. So, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm happy about this week. Well, great. That's awesome. Well, as always... Thanks for listening, and it's great chatting with you, and I look forward to chatting again. Be on the lookout, everyone, for um, some exciting new uh, episodes with some interviewees. We're going to have some interview subjects coming on the show soon, so be on the lookout. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Simply Walk the Talk. If you have any questions or comments, shout out to us on social media or email us at hello at simplywalkthetalk.com. And if you like this episode and it was helpful in any way, feel free to share. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>